so happy to record my first podcast today. Serena published our first episode and she explained how food and delivery industry was evolved and also how on-demand restaurant apps was launched and grow. And today, this episode, I have a special guest in the studio and we are talking about how DoorDash expand the businesses and their marketing and user acquisition strategy. I'm so excited to have Evan here. Hi Evan, how are you doing? I'm good. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. We like to hear who you are and what you do in DoorDash. Of course. So um, I've actually been working in growth for the last five or so years now. Um, and right now I'm doing growth for DoorDash. So at DoorDash, growth really means um, a mix of marketing, strategy, products, and analytics. Um, so you're talking about a 20-person team working with budgets in the hundreds of millions. So I think that my role is kind of the role of like a super recruiter for delivery drivers. So previous to DoorDash, when a restaurant wanted to do delivery, they needed to put out a sign, interview delivery candidates, train them, etc. Um, but my job at DoorDash is kind of, to, kind of to automate that experience for hundreds of thousands of candidates. So to make sure that each neighborhood has the specific number of drivers um, to create the perfect balance. So too few drivers and the deliveries take too long, too many drivers and no one can make good money driving on the platform. Wow, that's great. Thank you. And can you tell us about how the idea came out and how did DoorDash get started? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I guess I didn't really think about it before I started DoorDash, but DoorDash is actually a huge supporter of small businesses. So we have thousands and thousands of different restaurants that we partner with. And if you run into Tony Zhu, um, he's actually the, the founder. He'll tell you pretty quick that it, it came from the experience of his mother um, who actually owned and operated a restaurant of her own. So he really wanted to to come up with a platform to help people just like her. And it was through talking with different businesses in the Bay Area, whether they were like restaurants or cake shops or different retailers, and seeing that actually some of them were having to turn down orders because they couldn't fulfill different deliveries. And so he was thinking, you know, if you're running a 400 square foot shop and you're turning down 10 to 15 deliveries a week, I mean, that's probably the best way to go out of business. So he really wanted to, to find a platform that would help those people out. Actually, I didn't know that. That's a really great way to start the business. I think the other question, like the people are curious about that, how did DoorDash build the execution at the beginning and how was the revenue model and how is it now? Everyone loves to have their food delivered to them. So that's kind of like the easy part. The really hard part is making sure that every single order is done right and the restaurant receives it immediately, the food is cooked on time, and it stays warm when the dasher picks it up and delivers it to the person. Um, and I guess like food delivery, it's not like it hasn't been done before, but um, the better question is why hasn't, you know, 99% of the businesses started delivering already? And I guess like when DoorDash started, there were two, two things that they kind of had to focus on. One is they had to focus on getting a delivery fleet of their own and making sure that it was easy to, you know, initiate everyone and make sure that they could, you know, start on the platform and then also be able to um, balance the market when they needed to. So if there was like a, a large spike in demand, they could get all the different drivers on the road to supply the different restaurants. And the food and delivery application also curious about that, like how it's hard to get a funding and I think that question like helped them to understand the industry. DoorDash has a total of 2 billion in funding. How was the funding process and how would you suggest the new food delivery apps about raising investment? 
I would say that the funding process was extremely difficult for the founders. Um, and I guess like the reason for that is there have been a bunch of different companies who have tried to do food deliveries in the past. And there were really three different things that were kind of making it difficult, um, each coming from the different segments of the, of the marketplace. Um, the first was the, the restaurants themselves. So they, they didn't really want to get on board because I guess like, they didn't really see the value. And it really kind of took you know, kind of e-commerce picking up and Amazon to kind of show that, you know, if you don't get on the bandwagon of, you know, moving with like the e-commerce revolution that you might be left behind and there's a lot to lose on the table. Um, I'd say the second thing is consumers weren't necessarily ready for it either. And the, the third thing is, and this is probably the most interesting thing is the, the drivers weren't able to, to do these deliveries because one, mobile phones weren't super huge um, until maybe, you know, more recently and they didn't have like the data to do that. And then also people didn't really have the mindset of like of working like gig jobs and having jobs that were extremely flexible and where they could like set their own hours um, and I think that's really kind of like a function of you know retail kind of declining and you know not giving like the necessary flexibility that their their workers really wanted yeah like especially the workers who they do own jobs in San Francisco it's a, like a startup mindset and that's great yeah, and I think a lot of the people, when they are working this job, they see themselves as kind of entrepreneurs and, and business owners and stakeholders themselves, which is, I think, one of the coolest things. And I guess like a, another really interesting thing about the funding process is, although it's very difficult in the beginning, if you're able to show you know consistent growth, then it becomes a lot easier. And so in later rounds, it's, it's less about the actual money that you're raising and more about who you're raising it from because um, not only do the right investors provide the capital, they also provide expertise, they provide guidance, um, especially through difficult situations. So I guess like another thing I would say is, although DoorDash recently did raise a lot of money, I don't think that we should rest on our, on our laurels because although it is a lot of money, relative, our, relative to our peers, I think it's a, a very small number. I mean, it's a couple percentage of what Uber and some of those others might have raised. That's true. And also it's like if the company has a good team, I think they can kill the game altogether. Yeah, and I guess like one benefit is that whereas Uber is focusing on their rideshare platform primarily, DoorDash is able to focus on the actual consumers of food delivery app. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, after you got the funding, I think the most uh, important things is expand the businesses. And how did DoorDash expand the business? And we know that the DoorDash is the first on-demand destination to offer food del delivery in all the 50 states. And so how was the expanding to other cities? So I guess like I would say that for DoorDash, they actually saw probably more success as they expanded as opposed to just seeing success in the first markets that they launched. And I want to say that's because whereas Uber and um, Postmates kind of focused on more urban, like more urban centers, I would say that um, DoorDash actually focused on more suburban, um, smaller cities, semi-urban spaces. And I guess like the biggest benefit of that is, you know, when you're in a, a super urban space, like Manhattan, for example, you could throw a stone and probably hit a hundred different restaurants. Um, but if you move to the suburbs, that's a completely different case. So um, you never really had the option to get all these different delivery options and now you do so then people were able to you know get a lot more excited about it and adopted the product a lot easier and don't you think that is it not like difficult to find uh, the dasher the who cares the food in the small cities they're finding the people who's going to be care the food for them 
Yeah, that's that's extremely hard just because, you know, when you're live in thousands of cities, you need to make sure that every single city has the right balance of customers to to dashers. Um, and that's something that our team is focusing on every single hour of every single day. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think the work in the tech industry, especially if it's growing so fast, it's great. And like, where do you see the future of DoorDash? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd say it's important to kind of to start off with probably like an example of, of FedEx. Um, so I guess like their model is kind of you know, we go door to door, we make drop-offs, and we, we take about the same route every single day. And that's kind of like the milk person's route, and that hasn't changed for a really long time. Um, but I think that the way that we shop is completely different. So when you want to buy a, like a pair of jeans, or um, maybe it's like a product from your favorite store, you don't necessarily go out with the intention that you want to have it in, you know, several days. Like, you might want it right then. So I think that's where kind of DoorDash comes in. So like the fact that we're able to build out this giant platform of delivery drivers lends itself to you know different parts of the industry whether it be um, groceries um, maybe pickups from pharmacies all that kind of stuff so giving you a lot more flexibility in your day and so you don't have to worry about picking stuff up and you know letting other people do that for you that's great actually i really love the idea all the time if you are hungry it's 3 a.m <laughs> and you can get your food as ever you want that's perfect and we know that Amazon is growing so fast, they acquired the Whole Foods and they are just like sending everything in two hours free. And do you think it's your, your so in a way, your alternative to Amazon? Yeah, I guess I would say in a, in a way we are. Um, I guess I wouldn't say it's like directly one-to-one, but I think we're trying to empower local businesses. And local businesses, right now, they don't have the capability to deliver on their own. And I think um, right now it's really difficult for them to compete with Amazon because Amazon has you know their, their warehouses set up and stuff like that. But um, I think DoorDash in the future will kind of allow the, the little businesses to compete with uh, the big business. So providing them a platform where they can sell stuff would be extremely important for them. Okay, it's my favorite topic for tonight. Can you tell us about the marketing and user acquisition strategies so far? Yes, I kind of think about marketing basically all day long, and I can't. I guess I can't like tell you an ideal mix of Facebook, SEM, etc. Because I mean, it's it's always kind of shifting, and it's definitely product specific. So one product might do really well on Facebook, maybe another does really well on Snapchat, another does really well on SEM. So I guess like it's more important to kind of follow these three different modes of thinking, and if you do this, basically your results will go beyond your wildest dreams. So I guess like the first one would be incrementality. So when you drive conversions, are you driving conversions of people who would have not otherwise bought on that product? Um, there's a lot of different ways to measure that, but probably the best way is to do it through A-B testing. Can you tell us like that as a growth team, how many A-B testings you are doing daily? You don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> No, we, we do a ton. I mean, because like DoorDash is definitely data driven. And if you're not doing A-B tests, it's really hard to be data driven and, you know, use like the statistical principles that you learned in class. So, yeah, cool. Um, I guess so the, the second thing that I brought up, that's actually attribution. So really trying to think about how do you split attribution between channels? That's absolutely critical. A lot of the times, I think less experienced marketers over attribute um, SEM, um, SEM conversions and under attribute Facebook conversions. One, because Facebook is top of the funnel and maybe the person, you know, is just considering. Whereas when someone's going to SEM, a lot of the times it's from like unaided search. And so they're already looking for DoorDash, for example. 
you know, they already wanted to sign up and they were just going to click through the regular link, but instead they clicked through the ad. And so I think that gives like a false read on SEM. And so it's definitely important to think about which channel and how you attribute each one. So you can do that through like multi-touch, last touch, first touch. It really depends what's most important to the business. Another, I like to add another point in here. Uh, actually, I still want to learn about uh, more the mobile uh, site. Do you have any um, strategy for the mobile user acquisition? So I actually don't know too much about the mobile side, to be honest, because I focus more on like the web app, but I definitely heard. Uh, actually, a lot of food and delivery apps, like they are using their uh, website or the like the mobile site and like doing the more advertising or then the finding a way to uh, download the application because we know that the application is going to be help them to increase the engagement. And like I think the app Samurai, we are just like helping the, our customers and figure out like how they increase the user acquisition for the mobile app site because when they increase the mobile app users they increase the engagement uh, for their customers so like I guess what would you say is like the biggest benefit of using app samurai versus a traditional marketing channel like Facebook I think the first things uh, like Facebook and Google is the channel you can acquire the user but uh, when you use App Samurai we do only in-app marketing we only focus on the uh, mobile application and the other benefit is like that for the Facebook and Google especially like the highest season the price for cost per install and cost per acquisition is getting crazy and then it's not sometimes not affordable but when you use App Samurai it's really uh, great because we are not gonna be increase the prices during the highest time like highest season and especially if you do a great optimization you will increase your cost per install and acquisition for the per user when we talk about the CPA maybe you should continue to talk about that part yeah no I think it's definitely good to point out I guess like considering other marketing channels with lower CPA so I guess like one thing that we've definitely noticed is you need to consider marginal return and that's kind of like the third key thing that we focus on so maybe you know if you're looking at Facebook as a whole on average they're doing you know maybe it's like $50 per acquisition you know whatever number you want to think of but when you actually look at it when you scale up the the campaign maybe when you add an additional acquisition maybe at at the the top of the scale it's you know two hundred dollars per acquisition so I guess it's not necessarily fair to compare Facebook um, to maybe another marketing channel maybe it's like App Samurai or or another one that's similar so I think that's definitely something to keep in mind I have a group friend and then he told me about uh, like the how it's great to use the DoorDash and after that I realized that there's a Dash Pass subscription model you can just like pay $9.99 I don't know maybe I'm wrong to the, the exact number but do you think the Dash Pass subscription model works to increase the loyalty? Honestly, I'll tell you that it's probably our finance team's best friend because it's, it's probably the most predictable cash flow. Um, so in that way, it's it's really good for the business. I and mean, then I guess like you've seen a ton of different companies switch over to a subscription model. So Amazon really focuses on Prime users. Adobe switched from you know having you buy like a thousand dollar program to actually switching to a monthly basis. And I guess like you've also seen, I think this was super recently, Uber actually rolled out a subscription for their rideshare, their eats, their bike, and I think there was actually one other piece to it. So I think that's definitely the way the space is moving.
Yeah, I think so. And all the good things is like that if you order more than three times, I think you're gonna save to $20 like each month and it's a great thing. Yeah, it actually works out pretty well. I would say that a lot of the times I feel like these companies are pricing it cheaper than it actually is worth just because they get a lot of value out of it because customers keep on coming back and it creates loyalty. The other good things is living in San Francisco always talk about the latest technology and my favorite topic is like that you have a robots like to deliver the front door and I think it's amazing like and what do you think about that and can you also tell us that uh, what are the latest technological features that DoorDash using? I know I actually saw I think it was Tony the founder was on Jimmy Fallon or something with the robot so I know like it, it's definitely like a thing that people know at the company I mean it, it's definitely like something that they're considering because like you know if you can deliver people from one place to another in like an autonomous way like the next step is delivering food one place to another in an autonomous way so that would be super cool Recently, we read the news about the tipping model. Like, I really want to discuss with you what you think about that. So I've honestly, I've been getting a lot of different um, texts from different friends who've seen news stories or have heard from different people about it. I guess there's like a huge, like a huge array of responses. But I guess like usually the way that I respond is that DoorDash no matter how it seems, is trying to do the best thing for both its drivers and its consumers. And so I guess like the weird thing is that um, in this case, drivers prefer this tipping model because if someone shorts them a tip, then DoorDash will pick up the slack and they will actually pay out the tip. And I guess like one thing that a lot of people, I guess, don't know about the tipping model is that although you know, if I tip $10 to the person, they won't necessarily get a $10 tip. 100% of the, the tips that people put in actually are paid out to dashers. It might not be that dasher and it might not be for that order. I mean, what have you heard about it so far? Like, I think for me, the most interesting part when I read the news, like they told us that, oh, we didn't realize that the people love tipping. Like we live in US, people love giving tip for the customers who I guess like not the customer, the people who is giving a great services. I think like that's kind of sad to tell like in the news. I feel it's kind of a fake. I don't know, like what you think? Yeah, there's definitely, I'd say a lot of the consumers, I think the consumers like it a lot less than the, the dashers do. So the dashers like it, um, but the consumers don't like it. And so, I mean, it, it's so difficult to find something that works for both people because imagine you're a driver and you don't get a tip. That's the honest, like the worst experience you could ever have. And so like DoorDash is trying to avoid that. But at the same time, imagine you're someone giving the tip and you think you're giving, you know, a really nice tip to someone who did a great job. And it turns out that it's maybe going to some other dasher in some other city. Okay, Evan, I'd love to discuss this question with you. Uh, why new users should download and use DoorDash instead of Uber Eats or Grubhub? Okay, I did not necessarily expect that one. I guess like I would say, I'm not even sure I need to convince them. I think the, the platform Excel and the, the reputation that we've built up as a delivery player, I think speaks for itself. I would say, you know, the fact that we've been able to scale to thousands of different cities just shows like our ability to be really adaptive to whatever like whatever circumstance comes forward and then I would say the very last reason is that at DoorDash every single month you have to actually dash and deliver food and so the biggest reason to order is because there is a probability there's a small chance that I will deliver the food for you so 
That's my last pitch. Okay, then do you give us a promo code and then we can get like free food? Okay, deal. <laughs> yeah, we're ready to share. <laughs> okay then, thank you so much, Evan. It's great to have you tonight and I love to discuss all about the DoorDash. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yep, and we are gonna be sharing more uh, episodes soon. Stay tuned. Take care.